you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're closing in on the end of our study as we've been verse by verse and chapter by chapter in the book of 1 John for a few months on Wednesday night. We believe the Word of God is inerrant, inspired, and preserved and speaks to our hearts and changes our lives like no other book, like no other book. You know, you need to know the author of the book uh, for you to understand the book. So one of the greatest keys of understanding the Word of God is meet the author. His name is Jesus. Amen. First John chapter 5, we're going to read verse 14 and 15, and uh, we'll go down to verse 17 on how to pray or the urgency of prayer or how to pray for the backslider. And I want to say this with all my heart, the greatest gift you could ever give your children is to be able to pray for them. And there's conditions for prayer. You just cannot demand God to do something and expect him to do it. He's not your servant, you're his servant. And there's uh, certain conditions, keys to answer prayer, so I'm going to give you tonight. But, you know, it's urgent that we pray. And we ought to start with praying for our family. And then we ought to pray for our church. Then we ought to pray for our um, country. Our country's in a mess. Can you imagine the laughing stock America is from, for the world abounding? I mean, they look on, and here we are trying to impeach our president. And uh, this total disunity in the country, brought on probably by both sides. But I'm going to say this, friend. Um, God help us to get our testimony back as a united nation under God. And so I'm against anything that's against God. Uh, I'll take a stand against things that are against God, such as abortion, such as same-sex marriage, such as um, uh, all the sin that abounds that the crowds try to validify. But there's an urgent call to pray for America. It's, I, I've never, in my years of existence, lived in a time where we have such a need for prayer as a country. So divided, so wicked, so sinful, so against God. I mean, you can you can um, take all the little G's and and they won't say a thing. But if you start mentioning Jesus Christ, then they'll kick you out of school and kick you out of the courthouse and kick you out of politics and, and try to uh, desert your state and pull their money and all kinds of junk because we stand for what God says and his word. Well, I know who's on the winning side. I'm not cocky. I'm confident that the word of God is right and it's real and it's relevant. Uh, there's a tragedy taking place in our country. It's obvious. No matter who you are or what side you might be on, Everyone can see the symptoms, but the root is not easy to recognize. Our country is breaking down on every level imaginable. There's a breakdown of morality, number one. Have you ever lived in a time where people try to justify being immoral? Folks, right's right. Wrong's wrong. Sin's sin. And then uh, the families are breaking up. One out of two marriages don't work. And I'm going to tell you who the, who the victims of divorce is. Children. Children. They didn't ask to come in this world. And they're sitting there being pawns in a custody case. That's not God's will. God's will is fi to find someone and be spiritually one. Amen? 
I'm not bashing anybody that's been through that trauma. Thank God you're here rebuilding your life. You've got enough gumption to realize you need the grace of God in the relationship you're in. And you better have God's grace and God's blessing. So there's a breakdown in morality. There's a breakdown in um, families. And then our children. Um, I've never seen such rebellion. And I've never seen such drug-crazed rebellion. Um, people bringing guns to school to prove a point about a drug deal. That's awful. It's a shame. Um, we used to send our kids to school and hope they didn't get hurt on the playground. Now we send our kids to school and hope they don't get shot. What's, what's going on in America? It's an urgent need to pray. And I'm going to tell you how you can get your prayers answered in just a minute, and it's not left up to the lost people because lost people cannot pray our Father which art in heaven because they're not a child of the Father. Uh, in our schools, it's become a war zone instead of a school zone. In our government, have you ever thought that lines would be drawn about when life begins? And what is marriage? Folks, last time I checked, marriage is male and female. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. God made male and female, and they are to be one, to glorify His image. We're made in His image for His glory. You weren't made for yourself. We have a selfish generation. You name it, America's in it. And it's all anti-Christ. So there's an urgent need where America wants shun evil now sin is now welcome in public places without resistance. And if you do resist it, you are the enemy. That's where we're at. You might Have you got your head in the sand? I don't know if you're watching CNN or Fox or what you're watching, but I'll tell you what, you can watch ABC and find out we're in a mess. Uh, just go down the road and, 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 and listen to the local news and read your paper about the things going on in our schools, our homes. Our churches, churches are dying. 1,500, I think 15,000 in America closed their doors last year. Closed them, just shut the door. While our country leaders try to come up with solutions, to try to dab up the holes in the leaking dam of pending trouble, there's a steadily degrading wall of protection that is eventually going to break into our country things continue as they are. Washington, D.C. wishes to bring hope into the hearts of America's citizens, reassuring us that things will get better, but this is a false hope. Things cannot get better for America until we turn to God. God created this nation. Somebody say amen. God helped write the, uh, the United States Constitution, and God founded this country on one principle, and that's Christ is Lord. One nation under God, individual with liberty and justice for all. One nation under God. And even that's under attack. And even the phrase God's under attack in our national anthem. Never thought I'd live to see a day where America is in such a spiritual tailspin that's so dis devastating. And folks, listen, the economy 
supposed to be good, but I want to tell you something. Unless you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the economy is going to collapse. And I'm not trying to be a doomsday prophet. I'm just going to be a preacher of the word of God. Folks, will, will America return to God before it's too late is the question. Will America turn to God before it's too late? So as you look at this call to prayer, pray for America. Pray for our president. You're commanded to. Pray for our judicial system. But folks, I want to tell you what you need to pray for. You need to pray for revival and pray for our church. And you need to pray for your family. You need to pray for your children. And tonight I'd like to give you about five or six keys on how to get your prayers answered. I'm interested in this, aren't you? I want to know how I can have my prayers answered. I want to pray for my grandchildren. They need it. They're going to schools where there's violence and corruption, teaching evolution. God, help us. And folks, listen, there's more missionaries coming home from the field than going to the field. So we need to pray for revival. And so I want you to stand on the Word of God. We're going to read verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. Hope I'll answer some questions about the uh, unpardonable sin and the sin unto death, some things that you probably have questions about. It says, and this is the confidence. I want you to underline the word confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, that's a blessing. And if we know that he heareth us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now, if any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, ye shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he, ye shall, that he shall pray for it. And then verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin not unto death. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good attendance tonight. I know many are sick. And we do pray for healing. And we pray for grace. And God, we pray for our sin-sick country. And we pray for our sin-sick churches. And Lord, we pray for safety for our children. And God, we pray that America <clears throat> would come back to God. And Lord, I don't think it's going to be done politically. And I don't think it's going to be done nationally. But God, I hope and pray it will be done individually and by churches and by families. We'll get right with God. And we'll come back to God. And Lord, we'll be on praying ground where we can have our prayers answered. And we'll praise you and thank you for what you do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a few keys for answered prayer. A lot of people take this verse out of context. They said the Bible says, whatever you ask, you shall have it. But folks, there's a lot in that verse that says, number one, you must have confidence. And that's confidence not in the flesh. That's confidence that you're not praying a fleshly prayer. It's confidence that you have a clean life and that you can be escorted into the presence of God by the Holy Spirit and know what to pray. Look at the verse. And this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What a great promise. 
it says we have confidence that if we'll ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if he hears us, uh, whatsoever things we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. I want to give you a few things. Number one, we need to pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says that we ought to pray in Jesus' name. Now, when I was a kid, as I said last week, I thought that you had to say a phrase like, in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. But there is no magical phrase. There's no uh, set recitation for you to get your prayer through. Folks, uh, let me explain what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Turn to John chapter 14, verse 13. Well, let me tell, let you have the word of God show you, amen. John 14, 13. The Bible says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Best commentary, best ex, uh, dictionary for the Word of God is the Word of God. Look at verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now we can take that out of context. Say, well, it just says, pray in Jesus' name for a Mercedes Benz and it'll be in the parking lot Christmas morning. No. Uh, pray for this, pray for that. No, you need to pray for God's will. You need to find out what God's will is. I'll show you that in just a minute. But when you pray in Jesus' name, you're praying that his name, verse 13, last phrase, will be glorified. That's number one. Is that when you're praying, you're praying not that your name will be glorified, not that your flesh will be satisfied, but that God's name will be glorified. You're claiming the name of God as his character. You're claiming the name of God as his will. And folks, all that is encompassed in the name of Jesus. And so if you cannot do something in the name of Jesus, let me just say this, it's sin. If you cannot say, Lord, bless this activity, it is sin. It is sin. You cannot ask God to bless your fussing and fighting at home. That's sin. You cannot bless uh, drugs in your home. That's sin. You cannot bless drinking in your home. That's sin. Folks, some people uh, say a blessing and drink liquor at the same time. And they don't have any conviction about it. That's the last days that we live in. Nobody seems to be concerned about what God wants. It's all what the flesh wants. In Jesus' name, Ephesians 2.18. Ephesians 2.18. Is it up there? Yeah, Ephesians 2. In chapter 18, you ought to jot these down. This will set you free. Greatest Christmas gift I could ever give you is teach you how you can pray and have your prayers answered. Because I'm going to say this. God can give you more than this man can give you. God can give you more than religion can give you. God can give you what you need, not what you want. Amen. God knows what you need. And God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that's Ephesians chapter 2, or three, uh, two uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 20. But I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 18, Ephesians. The Bible says this, For through him we both have, we both have, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. And so, folks, when you're praying in Jesus' name, you're going through him. By the Spirit, by the, God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit. And so, folks, it's a miracle that you can get through to God the Father. But you get through by the blood of Jesus. That means you must be saved. You must be a born-again saint. You must be in the family of God. You cannot pray out of the will of God. And the, out of the will of God means that you're not saved. And, folks, you cannot just pray a prayer and think it's going to be answered. The first prayer God will hear is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I need to get saved. Lord, save me. By the grace of God, save me. By the blood that was shed, save me. By the death, burial, and resurrection, save me. That's the first prayer. Before that, you're wasting your breath because you are not a part of the family of God. And therefore, you cannot pray. Number two, we need to pray in the Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit. Look at John 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26. And I left out a verse that I'll give you that's not up on the board. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 26. How many is interested in getting your prayer answered? Say amen. Of course you are. Amen. And I believe everybody be, ought to be so interested they come to church and find out how to get their prayers answered. John 14, verse 26, the Bible says this. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, there it is again, my name, for his glory, his character, his will. Look at this now. It says, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. God has a resident teacher. You talk about homeschool. I'm talking about heart school. I'm talking about mind school. I'm talking about God will teach you how to pray and what to pray. God will teach you his will through his word, through circumstances, uh, through closed doors and open doors. Folks, his spirit. You must pray in the spirit. What is the spirit? Who is the spirit? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit escorts you into the throne room of heaven, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. He intercedes and teaches you the will of God. He, you knock on uh, heaven's door and the Holy Spirit's the only one that can open that door. His Spirit will escort you. You have a divine escort. He leads you into the presence of God and he says, hey, pray this. You pray that. He says, no, don't pray that. He checks you. He changes your prayers. He stops your prayer. He keeps you from entering into the throne room of heaven in the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. It's enmity towards God. But the Spirit of God interprets for you. And folks, it's not a prayer language or some language that nobody can understand. That's not, that's not praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit and being taught by the Spirit and being... Uh, uh, escorted by the Spirit into the very presence of God. That's praying in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, 18 says, uh, and 10 through 17 says, put on the whole armor of God. We're in a warfare. And then it says, praying always with all supplications in the Spirit for all saints. Sometimes you can't even pray for yourself because you're so low or so sinful. And you need to pray that somebody will come alongside of you, a fellow soldier, and pray for you. That's why you ought to come to church even when you're in the flesh, when you're in sin, when you're lost, because somebody else can pray for you. And that's called the fellowship of prayer. Number three, we ought to pray in obedience. 
ought to pray in obedience. Look at Psalm 66, 18. And I know I've read this too much, but I don't believe you can read the Bible too much. Proverbs 66, 18. The best teacher is repetition. That's why you have third and fourth grade, fifth and sixth grade. A lot of it's repetition. Amen. But look at Psalm 66, 18. This ought to convict us all. Praise God. Don't go through the motions of being religious. Don't try to just come in here and try to pray when you're not on praying ground. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I didn't write that. God wrote it. He said, if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear me. That means you live in open, blatant sin against God. You can confess it every day of your life and even after the act of sin. And folks, that's regarding it. That's not confessing it. Confessing means forsaken. Confession has the idea of repentance. You say, Lord, I see that sin as you see it. I call it what you call it. I, I, I judge it as you judge it. And you turn from that sin. That's true confession. First John 1 John 1.9, as we studied when we first started this series, is if we'll confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, all our sins, all our unrighteousness. But confess does not mean just, hey, Lord, I'm sorry I'm sinning and I'm going to do it again and I'm not going to change. So, Lord, would you please bless my kids and bless my grandkids and bless me. I'm, you know, I'm dying of cancer. I need healing. He ain't going to hear you. I got financial needs. He won't hear you. See, folks, the Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, he won't hear you. See, God's not so hard-pressed to use people that are in sin. It'd be like this. My wife finds a boyfriend in Atlanta, and she says, uh, honey, she calls me honey, says, uh, I'm going down to see my boyfriend in Atlanta. We're going to stay in a motel and commit adultery, and would you please finance it? Now, what husband in their right mind would give their wife money to go to Atlanta to have an affair? We expect God to bless us when we have an affair with the world. It don't make sense. Matter of fact, in the greatest prayer chapter that I know, James chapter 4, it says, you adulterers and adulterers, that has nothing to do with physical. That's spiritual. That we love the world. And then we say, Lord, finance my sin. Finance my trip called life. Bless me, Lord. He can't bless you unless you're on praying ground. There's conditions for answer to prayer. And so there's obedience. Look at uh, John chapter 14 again. Not 1 John, but John 14. And look at verse um, uh, 14 and 15. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. So you say, Lord, I love you. Not if you're not obeying him. That'd be like your children come to you and say, Hey, Daddy and Mama, I love you. And then they don't do anything you tell them to do. And then you tell them to stop doing something, they still do it. That's not much love, is it? The Bible says if you love God, you'll keep his commandments. Amen? By the way, let me just say this. Every sin is a sin of omission. Because you're omitting living for the glory of God. You're omitting the will of God. And so omission always leads to commission. In other words, one sin leads to another sin. If you don't believe it, ask David. His adultery led to murder. And then it led to four deaths in his family. 
You want to ask about the high cost of sin, look at David's life. Thank God he got saved or got right. Psalms 51, Psalms 32, read it sometime. And so in obedience, obedience. Then the fourth requirement for having your prayers answered is our text. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says we can have confidence. That means we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Not, not bragging, not in our own flesh, not on how loud we pray or how long we pray or how good we pray, but it's how good the prayer is. See, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, is not just words to quote, it's words to submit to. We ought to hallow his name. Thy will be done. We ought to fulfill that. Amen? Then we'll have our prayers answered. Then we'll have daily bread. Then we'll have peace. Then we'll have purpose. Then we'll have uh, power. Things that money cannot buy. In our lives, that money cannot buy if we have our prayers answered. Look at um, the will of God here in 1 John, 1 John 5, our text, verse um, 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him that we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. <clears throat> Amen. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> when my kids were teenagers and they wanted a, a gun, I wouldn't give it to them because they wasn't ready for it. When they were uh, kids and they wanted to drive my car at nine years of age, I wouldn't let them. Why? Because Father knows best. Amen. And they would kill themselves and kill my car. Not, and that's an order of importance. Folks, you just cannot think that God's going to answer your prayer just because you're fervent or because you're faithful to pray it. He'll answer your prayers because you're following his will. Uh, back in uh, John 14, 23, uh, I, I like to compare uh, the gospel of John with um, 1 John, because he wrote them both, but the Holy Spirit wrote them both. It says, that if you love me, keep my commandments. And it says, if you pray in my name, according to my will, my name's his will. And so, folks, it's all his will. We'll say, preacher, how do I know the will of God? How can I pray in the will of God? It's the word of God. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. And if it's not scriptural, it's not, it's not, it's not going to be answered. It's according to God's will. See, we're not here trying to wrestle God, wrestle God down to our will. That's manipulation. We're here to get a hold of God's will. And that is a miracle. That's incarnation. That's, that's um, God working through your life, being who he is through you. Let's go to the next slide, Brother Cody. We need to pray in fellowship. We need to pray in fellowship. This is going to get a little touchy. But I, I, I want to I preach it because, or teach it. Uh, back in John 14, verse 23, uh, that great chapter, it says that Jesus answered and said to them, If a man love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come unto him and make his abode with him. And folks, he that loveth me uh, not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which is, you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. The Bible says love one another. And so if you don't love one another, and if you don't love others, God says you won't have your prayers answered. Uh, look at Mark chapter 11. 
Mark chapter 11. And um, I want to give you this real quick. Mark chapter 11. We need to pray in fellowship. We need to pray in faith. That's the next point. Fellowship. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So there's faith. You need to believe that God will answer your prayers. But you got to believe that it's God's will in your life and that you're living God's will and that you're praying for His glory, not your joy. But it sure is a big joy to have your prayers answered and to have your children blessed because of your prayers, have your family blessed. I think the greatest description of the man of God in the home the head of the house, the daddy, the father, is to be the high priest in the home. The high priest. You're to intercede for your wife as a weaker vessel. You're to intercede for your children as really weak vessels. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what to do. They don't know, they don't know the will of God yet, but they need to see it in your life. And then they'll get saved and they'll discover the will of God. So you need to have a strong leadership of prayer. And look at this. It says in this verse, in uh, verse 24, it says, Believe and you shall receive them. And then look at this, verse 25, Mark 11. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have an all against any, that your Father which also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Look at verse 26, it's even clearer. It says, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Therefore, you're cut off. You're out of fellowship. He cannot answer your prayers because you must come into the presence of God as the priest went into the holies of holies with a clean heart, a clean motive, a clear direction, the will of God. You need to come by faith, but you need to come by fellowship. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is a Bible study this, tonight. We need it. Amen. On Sunday I go verse by verse, but on Wednesdays we study a lot of the verses. First Peter chapter three, verse seven. The Bible says, "Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge." Husbands dwell with them means your wife. That's who you ought to dwell with. It says this, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, what in the world does that mean? Women are less smart. No, my wife's a lot smarter than me. She's a lot prettier than me. Uh, she's a lot wiser than me. I married up, praise God. Saw her uh, uh, Tuesday. She was out there bundled up like an Eskimo. She had her hat on, scarf on. She was freezing. She's cold natured, very cold natured. And I was sitting there. I had high blood pressure and was preaching up a storm and had five minutes to do it. That's what I put on myself. Because you have 30 people out in the snow and the wind of northeast Georgia, you don't take 30 minutes. And uh, boy, I just, I just, I just looked out there. I saw Trent and I saw Brother Pearson, lovely Sunday school teacher. And then I saw my wife sitting there freezing. And she was there for one reason: to support and help me. And and I thought, man, I really want to bless her. And then on the way home, she had this great idea that she wanted to stay in Dahlonega to dark to see these trees with all these lights on them. And they all were white lights. I thought, man, we're going to see some kind of light show. 
went into a shop and the lady said, we had 17,000 people come see those lights. I said, well, we, made it, we might as well stay in the dark if it's 17,000 people see the lights. And don't tell my wife this, but I wasn't impressed with those little white lights on all the trees. I wanted to go home and eat, take off my shoes and prop up my feet. But my wife stood out there and listened to me preach. She's heard the sermon 17 times, shaking and shivering. At least I could do is stay in Dahlonega until the lights came on. Amen. And thank God we enjoyed it. Or she enjoyed it. I, we, we enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because she enjoyed it. Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. She's the weaker vessel. According to the Word of God, she, she's more vulnerable. Um, she gets hurt easier. Than I do. I'm a little tough skinned, but she, she gets hurt when people attack my children in the past. A mother gets hurt easy when you attack your children. She really gets hurt when you attack me. I mean, real hurt. And so I have to protect her. I have to be a strong leader. And folks, you can't be a strong leader unless you can pray for your mate. So how can you pray for your mate if you're in sin? If you have some Habits you can't give up, some addiction, some problem. Look at this. It says, Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the, uh, uh, unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That's the most beautiful description of a home in the Bible. Heirs together of the grace of life. That means God will bless your home with things that money can never buy. Like peace, love, joy, purpose. Respect. Well, you lose that in the family, you're gone. You ever had a child lose respect for you? It's devastating. It brings a quietness and a, a horror and a, and, a, and a coldness and a distance in the family, even sitting at a table with them when they lose respect. Or you lose respect for your wife. Don't, don't it get cold? Hey, the wife loses respect for the, for the husband. Man, there's trouble. There's trials. Folks, there's disrespect. There's adultery. There's affairs. There's illicit sex. There's all kinds of searching for fulfillment when it ought to be found right in your home in marriage. Say amen. Lose respect. Because look at the Bible. It says honor. Honor your wife. As a weaker vessel and being heirs together, the grace of grace of life look at the last phrase that your prayers be not what hindered so folks your home life's not right you can't pray you can come to this altar all day long you can't pray you fuss and fight all the way to church and think you can come to this altar and pray what you ought to do is say Lord I'm praying ground I'm going to wait for the invitation I'm going to come to the altar and get right with God because I fussed and cussed all the way to church I've lived, I've, lived, I've lived in sin all week, and now I can come to the altar and, and think I can pray for these children to get saved back here. You can't pray. It's not according to the Bible. Now that's not what, hey, I ain't got enough guts to tell you from my word that you can't pray. But God says you can't pray, and you can't get your prayers answered. You better believe it, because he's God. He set the parameters of prayer. I didn't. There's conditions. There's keys. Let me close by saying it's summed up in 1 John 3, 22, number, number uh, 7. You need to please God. See, most people use prayer 
like a grocery cart or, a, or a, a worse yet, like a Christmas list. Lord, give me this, 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 and would you do it today? Because I can't wait. Just like a little child. Amen? The other day I was uh, minding my own business trying to overcome the turkey and was about to pass out. I saw little Oliver sitting in uh, Rebecca's lap. She's re he's real close to Rebecca, loves Rebecca to death. And I saw him getting out the doggone newspaper, and he was circling everything he wanted her to give him. I thought, man, a lie. What are you doing, Oliver? His favorite aunt, praise God, thinks he can just get the whole catalog and circle the whole. I said, circle the whole thing, buddy. She'll get you everything in there. Folks, that's the way we use God. Like little children saying, Lord, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. And he says, okay, give me, give me your glory. Give me yourself. Give me your will. Give me your, give me your appetites. Give me your attractions. Give me first place. Give me lordship in your life. And you say, no, no, that's not the deal, Lord. I want this now because that's what I want. What you need to hear, and we ought to listen sometimes in prayer, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? What do you require? What do you want me to obey? He'll, he'll speak to you. He'll bring a preacher in your life to rebuke your little sin. He'll bring a preacher in life, he's got any guts at all, preach against sin. Why? To make you feel uncomfortable? No, to make you feel blessed when you get right. Because the greatest blessing you'll ever have is to be able to pray for those that you love. Folks, Santa Claus is not going to bless your kids. I, I hate to say that, and I know there's little kids in here, so I ain't going in detail because I'm not the Scrooge of Christmas. Praise God. I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Praise the Lord. I'm going to shoot Santa and, and Rudolph. No, I ain't going to do that. But I want to tell you something, friend. Santa Claus can't bless your children like Daddy can pray for mama could pray you might not give them everything in that catalog because you're not rich I don't know a rich person in this room right now some of you are close to it but I don't, I don't, I don't think so I think you're just more in debt than I am but anyway listen listen God help you to realize God's blessed you to be a blessing and the greatest blessing a child has daddy's praying for me mama's praying for me and their prayers are getting through. Amen? There's a smile on their face. There's love in their heart. There's peace in our family. And folks, that's all kids need in this day and age. They need that more than some machine that'll hover over a building and take a picture of it. Come on. They need that more than the latest video game that can shoot five people in one shot, even in a hallway of a school. They need peace. They need purpose. They need God's partnership. They need God's presence. They need God's blessing. And folks, God has ordained. I didn't make it up. I didn't write the book. God ordained that through answers of prayer. That's what he said. You have not because you ask not. And you ask the miss because you try to consume it upon your own lust. James 4, 1 and 2. 
And so as I titled this message, and I ain't going to get finished with it because it's time to go. We get out at 8.30. There's an urgency in prayer. Say, yeah, we need to pray for old Trump. He's going he's gonna to get impeached. Oh, we've got to pray for our judicial system. It's a mess. All these laws, garden of sin. We got to pray for our legislature. We got to pray for our senators. Yes, we do, and yes, we should. But I believe this: we need to pray for ourselves. That God would help us to be able to pray. Because if we don't meet these requirements, we're just speaking words. Words are so easily spoken, but faith unlocks the door. It's Elsie Hobbs, a great prayer warrior, and I met one of her relatives up at Howard Floor's hospital room, Billy Hobbs. I'm reacquainted with him. I've known him a long time. I think he's Kendall and Connie and some of her family. And I remember she gave me a song one time said, I want you to sing it. She's giving me songs all the time like Master of the Wind and I didn't really want to sing, but she'd give them to me. I wasn't going to insult her. I said, I'll try to sing it. She gave me a song, a very hard song by Jack Keeley. It was called Prayer is the Key to Heaven. But faith unlocks the door. And in the middle of that song, she said, Elsie looked at me and said, Look at those words. It says, Words are so easily spoken. But it's like a boat without an oar or something. I'll, I'll forget the words. Folks, what it was saying is, it's just, it's just, it won't float. It won't, it won't get to the destination. That folks, we can word all day long. If our heart is not right, it don't matter how long you pray, how loud you pray, or how eloquent you pray, you will not be heard of God. We must please God. Here it is, 1 John 3, 22. We've got to hurry. Somebody took the, the projector off the wall, so I don't know what time it is. Yeah, I do. I'm not going to admit it. But look at this, 1 John 3, 22. And you know something? If Joel Osteen can spend $105 million to renovate a basketball court that he spent $50 million for, I think we can raise enough money to buy another projector so I can have a clock on the back wall. Amen? Praise God, what in the world is that doing up there? Blank. Amen? $105 million to make five more stories on a basketball court so 50,000 people can hear him at one time and he don't even preach the gospel. Don't get me started on that. Don't you bring him up. Look at this. 1 John 3, 22. It says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Would you emphasize the last phrase? Pleasing in his sight. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it very clearly. You better pray that your life is pleasing in his sight. I didn't say what's accepted by this world. I didn't say what's accepted by the liberals. I didn't say what was accepted by the flesh, what you feel good doing. It's not if it feels good, do it. It's if in this book that you do it. It's all bumper sticker going, it says, if it feels good, do it. I about ran into that bumper. I said, I think it'll feel good to me. Just hit that bumper, amen? 
That's road rage in the third degree. I'm glad I didn't have to praise at that moment. And I didn't run into the bumper sticker, but I thought that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. If it feels good, do it. No, if it's in this book, do it. And if you don't do it, you can forget having your prayers answered. So there's a high cost to sin. You can't pray. Well, it's just a little sin. Well, it's a convenient sin. Well, it's a fun sin. What sin isn't fun for a season? Say amen. If sin wasn't fun, nobody would sin. Amen. If sin wasn't sensual, nobody would do it. If sin wasn't getting you excited and thrilled and fill your little ego, you wouldn't do it. Sin is exceedingly inviting. And it's fun for a season. Until you have to bow on your knees when your kids are going to the emergency room and you realize you can't even pray for them. It's not fun anymore. It's not fulfilling anymore. It's not sensually satisfying anymore because you cut yourself off from God. I didn't say you lost your salvation. I said you lost the fellowship. If you're not in fellowship in the Spirit, you're not even in the throne room. I got, I'm going to give you a verse just because y'all look at me that way. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Y'all really didn't look that way. Y'all just ready to go I know but I got to give you this Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2 all of you know it by heart but let's read it by the way while you're going to Isaiah 59 let me give you Proverbs 28 verse 9 write that down somewhere Proverbs 28 verse 9 it says he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer shall be an abomination wow Amen for the independent Baptist. It says if you turn your ear away from the law, that means you say, Lord, I hear it, but I don't hear it. My mother used to have a favor saying, did you hear me? She didn't mean audibly. She meant volitionally. Was I going to do what I, she told, told me to do? That's hearing her. Did you hear me, Wayne Cofield? And then if I didn't hear her, she'd say, did you hear me, Kenneth Wayne Cofield? And then the next time she said, did you hear me, it wasn't even a sentence. It was a hickory switch. And it hurt. But I needed it because it helped. And then after that, I said, Lord, help me listen to that lady. She's going to kill me. Did you hear me? Well, Proverbs 28, 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law. Even his prayers shall be an abomination. What's the word abomination means? Stinks in his nostrils. Your prayer stinks in his nostrils because you refuse to hear the word of God. That means you refuse to obey what God tells you is right. And so, friend, I want to tell you something. These, these people that never come to church and never want to come to church and think they can pray for their mother when she gets sick and goes to the emergency room, you're kidding yourself. I know this is not sweet tonight, but I didn't, God didn't call me to run for office. God called me to preach the truth. Folks, I want to tell you this. That's sad that a person never comes to church and thinks they can throw up a flare prayer and say, 
Oh, God, my children's fever's up to 105, and they're going to the emergency room. Please help them. You better call somebody that can get through because you can't because your, your prayers are abomination. That's what the Bible says now. I Circle it, Proverbs 28, 9. Now, where was I going? Just checking. It's good. I knew where I was going. I just want to make sure you knew where I was going. It's called a lapse of memory on purpose. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear. Look at verse 2, Isaiah 59. But your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Let's face it. You need his approval, and you need his face. When you can't look into God's face by the way you're living, separated those are prayers God wants to hear Father thank you for this point blunt message that I need as much as anybody I got three fingers pointing back at me and so Lord I can't I can't afford to get mad at some member Lord I can't get I can't get I can't afford to get mad at my wife when she wants to stay in a town till dark I can't I can't I can't afford to get in the flesh over things that hurt my feelings. Lord, I can't, af I can't afford to get in, um, in pornography on the computer. I can't afford to watch some TV program that's not wholesome. I cannot afford to hold a grudge or a grudge hold me because, Lord, these folks want me to pray for them. They got confidence in my prayer life. Lord, when I pray, I want to I get through. When they, pray, when they call me up in the middle of the night and say somebody's in a bad accident, somebody's in a car accident, my little girl's been diagnosed with cancer, I want to be on praying ground. And Lord, I thank you that you told us how to be. And that's praying, living with confidence that our life is pleasing to you. So Lord, thank you for the lesson not been a nice lesson. It hadn't been easy to take. But Lord, it's nourishing to realize your truth. That your truth will set us free from being cut off in our prayer life. The most important thing we could ever do for someone else is to be able to pray for them and have confidence that our prayers would get through. With every head bowed, every eye closed, it's going to be the invitation we'll go.